signs for women. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Uh, Rachel is not joining me today, but someone very special is joining me today. Her name is Erin Power. She is the coaching and curriculum director at the Primal Health Coach Institute, which as you guys probably know by now, uh, is an organization that I am very fond of. I was one of their first certified coaches um, years ago, and I also more recently created a course for them called the Strength Training for Women uh, Specialist Certification Course that is for coaches who work with women, helping these coaches understand the physiology, the culture, the mindset, um, and the specific challenges that women have in getting strong and building muscle. And the reason I brought her on today is because one-on-one coaching is obviously a big part of my job. It's something that I think about professionally on a day-to-day basis in terms of how to be more effective as a coach, how to understand my clients, help them better understand themselves and why they are doing the things that they're doing. And since Erin is the coaching director and also does her own coaching, I just wanted to have someone on who could help me kind of address some of these big topics and just kind of get out in the open the things I've been thinking about in my head that worry me (laughs) about my job. Uh, Things like sustainability of goals about creating education and empowerment for our clients that helps people not only just achieve whatever the goal is that they come to us with, but help them stay happy and healthy and consistent with whatever they're trying to do. It's very easy to pick a goal that takes three months and get after a client until they achieve it. But what comes next? Why do people have such a hard time just finding the balance, the longevity of just being healthy and happy and consistent? These are big questions. We dive into a lot of them. So in this episode, we talk about things like how people can get the most out of working with a health coach, a fitness coach, a trainer, understanding what we mean when we talk about mindset and changing our mindset, shifting our mindset. Um, And we kind of talk about why the fitness industry, the wellness industry, which has a lot of problems, doesn't really focus on teaching people to sustain their health practices. Um, obviously, there's there's money involved, and if we were really, really good at this, maybe our jobs wouldn't exist anymore, but um, there's more to it than that. So these are just a couple of the big questions we get into, but I think if you are a health coach, if you're somebody who works with a health coach, or if you're just someone who kind of struggles sometimes with the consistency piece or even the psychology around understanding your goals, understanding why you do the things you do for better or for worse, I think this episode could be helpful to you. So, um, and also Primal Health Coach Institute is a sponsor of the podcast. Um, they've been obviously very supportive of me and the, the work that I'm doing and helped me create this course, um, that I'm really proud of. So, um, so that's it. I'll, I'll get on with the episode with Aaron. I hope you enjoy it as always. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have feedback, please send it to 
muscle science for women. That's the number four at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So that's it. Here is my interview with the awesome Aaron Power. Okay. After a little bit of technical difficulties, here we are. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming back and chatting with me. I appreciate it. Good morning, Ashley. Yeah. Nice it's, to see you again. It's early on your end, huh? Are you, uh, you're a morning person? I'm not, I'm not. I just have a lot of calls in the morning, I find. And I was, as I was kind of rolling out of bed and getting ready, you know, such as it is, I threw on a hoodie. Let's not kid ourselves. Famesies. But I was Very. thinking, I was like, Ashley's got that Atlantic time zone, the forgotten time zone. Yeah. And so you've had a whole morning already. And I'm yeah. brand new to this day. hundred percent. You're coming to me from the future. Correct. And having a kid means that I'm awake early regardless. So I've lived many lifetimes. It's mid, <laughs> mid morning here, but I am very awake. Um, and yes, it is deeply sweater weather right now. So, um, mm -hmm. okay. So we have a lot to dive into and I kind of really sort of only have like a nebulous idea of where, like what I want, how I want to start. And then we'll see if we can kind of dive down from there. But you know, we, I've done the intro separately. You are the coaching and curriculum director at the Primal Health Coach Institute. We've worked together because I, I mean, I was one of the proud OGs, one of the first, you know, handful of people to take the very first um, coaching certification course that uh, the Institute created. Very proud to be one of the sort of first graduating members. And fast forward a few years, I developed some curriculum for you guys the Strength Training for Women Specialist Certification, which I'm also very proud of and, and really excited about. And I know that there's some new courses coming out. You know, there's a lot of growth happening and there's a lot of really kind of, I believe, unique angles to how we are looking to inform and educate future health coaches. And I think it's important because I think that sometimes, or maybe there's the perception that there's sort of a lack of thoughtfulness in terms of how a lot of health coaches may be approaching their work. Um, and I might, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a generalization. It's just, I'm in the world and I see it and I'm online and I, I, I see some of the challenges. I hear some of the challenges um, from both clients and coaches. There's a lot to sort of unpack and discuss, but I think the Primal Health Coach Institute is really, really trying to be thoughtful and really trying to sort of approach this um, profession with a lot of, um, a lot of intelligence. So with that said, maybe let's dive into some of the problems and some of the challenges. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to say before I, I like, do. yeah, I, th I think your, I think your line of thinking is interesting here. Um, you know, so for example, like the fitness, okay, let's, let's get into the weeds here a little bit. The fitness industry has been around for a long time, long, long time. Right. I personally been in the fitness industry for 30 years. And I was a little personal trainer, group fitness instructor. And, you know, so think about the personal training industry, which has been around a lot longer than the health coaching industry, which is relatively fledgling. So we have people who've been practicing fitness and nutrition coaching very unofficially for a, re a really long time. Like these folks like me who've been in the industry for 30 years where there were no, there were no parameters of professional conduct, um, rules or, you know, co um, code of ethics, scope of practice that didn't really exist. So you've got those people who are like old timers that are now calling themselves health coaches. And then we've got this sort of 
we've got this sort of formalization of the health coaching education and certification process, which is actually kind of new. So there's a, there's a lot of discrepancy inside the health coaching and fitness and wellness coaching industry because of this, because, because health coaching is so new. Um, so you, you described it as a lack of thoughtfulness, which I think is a good way of putting it. Um, it's almost as though the industry needs to realize that it's trying to legitimize itself and everybody needs to jump on board at this point. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I don't know how, well, I guess maybe that's what you guys are, are trying to do. Cause I'm like, I don't know how we do that. Uh, okay. So let me just get into sort of one of the higher, higher level kind of topics that I wanted to, and we can see where we can take it from here. Um, one of the things that I think Primal Health Coach, the courses, the Institute does really well is have conversations about scope and boundaries and what is appropriate and not, and what is within the sort of legal, moral, ethical boundaries of a health coach in terms of their relationship with the client. So that's some of the self-legitimizing, right? Because the more we can kind of police ourselves, for lack of a better term, um, the better reputation I think that we can all kind of uh, aspire to and, and have, right? But it's tough because it's one thing to say, it's very clear cut to say like, we can't diagnose illnesses. We can't obviously prescribe medications. Like these things are very clear, but it gets a little bit more gray when we're talking about how to build trust and have relationships. I'm using air quotes for the people listening with our clients um, because we know that health coaching as opposed to maybe like fitness or like bodybuilding prep or whatever, which tends to be much more cut and dry, right? It's like, you want to achieve this look by this much time, or you want to do this. Here's a plan, go to town, good luck. Whereas health coaching is a, such a sort of broader term, right? And it really, I think for success requires some trust, some mutual appreciation, some level of a relationship um, that takes time and understanding and care to develop, right? So mm -hmm. how do we do that in a way that is appropriate, that also doesn't veer into personal therapy um, inappropriately? You know, where do we, how do we navigate that where, and I, I think this is like, there's like jokes about this on the internet and I've experienced it. I'm, I'm health coach. I'm like, you know, I have a, a roster of clients right now where it's like, you think this is going to be about telling people what to eat. And of course it's much more about talking about the stressors in their life and, and, you know, maybe past trauma and how that informs the way they live their life today and things like that. And, you know, this stuff is interesting. This stuff matters. This stuff is relevant, but how do we as health coaches navigate this stuff? Big question. That's a huge question. Yeah. So first of all, um, we're not regulated and that's, uh, in, we're not a regulated industry inside the wellness health care world. We're unregulated, which is in some ways a blessing. I don't know that we want to be regulated, but if we don't want to be regulated, we have, we, you put it perfectly, we have to kind of self-police. And, you know, this, this idea of staying in one's lane becomes pretty prominent. So the, one of the examples that you offered up is, you know, you're working with your clients on what you think is going to be their nutrition, their health, 
that might include things like sleep and stress. Um, they might show up having reported a past trauma. And now you're thinking, oh, there's something I need to understand. I need to become a trauma-informed coach. I know I saw a certification for that somewhere. I think I got served an ad for that on Instagram, trauma-informed coaching or how to interpret lab testing or how to, you know, maybe I should go get this cert. Maybe I should broaden my expertise on that. Personally, as an old old coach, like a dinosaur coach, I, I literally only want to do what I want to do. I, I have an area of expertise that I really, I really just lock into. And if something exists outside of that expertise, I, I refer out to other people. That includes trauma. And it certainly definitely includes medical conditions. 100%. Um, there, there's things I know I can work with people and that I feel comfortable working on with people and things that I don't. And I think that's maybe sometimes where health coaches get a little confused. They think they should be, have to help their client with everything. So then they start, and I'm trying to advocate for the coach here who's thinking, who wants to be very, very helpful, wants to be this um, partner in this relationship. Oh, the client came with this concern. I should go get a certification that I should understand. I should read a blog or listen to a podcast so I know what I'm talking about. I don't want us to feel like we need to be experts right across the board in every wellness modality. It's just not realistic. And it's also from a professional standards perspective, that gets very murky. So uh, here's the deal. Oftentimes health coaching is described as um, we are agents for behavior change. You ever heard that one? What do you, what do you think of that phrase? Honestly. I can't hear you at all. Sorry. Now. Sorry. I was leaning back. <laughs> it's more comfortable. I'm in the light right now. I think it's accurate or potentially accurate. And it, it really is, I think, a guiding force for what I am trying to do with my clients. They are coming to me with obstacles that are usually, you know, self-inflicted behaviors that are not serving them and we're trying to change them. So I do think that there's a lot of merit to that description. Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it, but I also feel like it's uh, vague. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an agent for behavior change. My clients don't, my clients do come to me, for example, and yours probably do too, knowing they need to change their behaviors, but they're they need to change your behaviors in order to achieve an outcome. So we are also driving toward outcomes. And this is a winding path to get the outcome. I mean, we talk about outcome goals versus process goals, right? The outcome goals, I think at the top of the staircase and the process goals are all these little tiny moves we make to get to the top of the staircase, the little steps. And some of those aren't going to be ours. Some of those steps are going to be somebody else's in somebody else's realm. I need you to go see the doctor for this. Have you explored counseling or therapy for that? I'm going to help you with these things. So we're not an agent for every behavior change. Uh, we are an agent for the behavior changes that we have the expertise in. I just, I feel like this is where, this is where we're talking about um, the lack of thoughtfulness, however we're describing this in the coaching industry, what we're seeing this sort of inconsistency of message of deliverables is that um so the self-policing piece is what do you know what do you not know and just know what you just know what you know know what you don't know don't feel like you have to know everything everything because you don't and and from a business perspective from a health coaching practice perspective it's better if you have very clear a very clear structure of what you do I only do this. I literally do one thing and I've done one thing for the last 12 years. I'm not looking to broaden my purview as a health coach. I literally do one thing. I'm the expert in this. If you need something else, I, I can help advocate for you, but I'm not going to do that. Um, that's, that's where I'm, I'm starting off with this thought. What, what's present for you when I. 
I, well, on the, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind as you're explaining this is relief for me yeah. <laughs> as a health coach who does a hundred percent. I relate to the idea of sort of, and not to be too dramatic, but you kind of take on some of the um, baggage that a client brings to you if you care. And mm -hmm. it can be overwhelming and it can feel heavy and it can feel like, yeah, like, oh, well, geez, there's, there's a lot more to this than, you know, just stop anxious eating. What, how do, where do I start here? How am I going to help this person? And it, it is, it's a relief to um, have an outside educated source authority person in this space to say, to remind you of the reality that you don't know everything. You aren't an expert in everything. A lot of this stuff, even if you do have an interest or a background is not appropriate for you to try to engage in as a health coach. And also it's funny because I had a conversation with my partner, my husband recently, who is a, a coach in his own right in a sort of a different industry, but I was having a similar kind of conversation about how, how much more to it there, there is when you're dealing with human beings, complicated, layered human beings trying to solve a problem. And he kind of said something similar to the effect of like, your job isn't to fix all the problems. Your job is to help them with the thing that they, you know, ostensibly came to you for that you have the expertise to help them with. And if you undergo a coaching relationship with someone and at the end of it, they've learned something from you, they've changed something, even if it's small, even if it's, you know, barely tangible, but they took something from that relationship and they're better because of it. They're improved they're They have tools, they have resources that is, that's a win. It's not always about, did I fix this person? Is this person's life better? Like, you know, totally fixed now. It's probably not. Um, but I think sometimes it's reframing and it's funny because there's like this, this reflective thing too, where I'm constantly telling my clients, like, you're not trying to be perfect. We're not trying to make right. you perfect. And you shouldn't also expect to be fixed in a month and fix, you know, the 10, 20, 30 problems you think you have that you're trying to fix. But here I am on the other side, thinking I'm supposed to be helping her fix these 10, 20, 30 problems and make her perfect and have no issues. So it's, um, it's really kind of good self-reflection. Yeah. What, um, I think is useful as well is for coaches to really zoom out, right? Because I think sometimes we get, we, we can really, um, sort of put this into silos, like uh, one of the styles, the, the rules and the professional conduct of the coaching relationship, and, but, and, you know, then your marketing efforts and, uh, your programming, and there's all these different moving parts to being a coach, but like, it actually is all very interwoven. And what I mean by that is, so like, if a client tracks down my, whatever, Instagram or something and says, oh, this person, Aaron helps people lose weight, which I, I, I do, I guess, sort of which is kind of what everybody wants. So I'm looking for the next thing to jump on for weight loss. I've done everything that exists and I'm going to try this now. I'm going to try this Aaron girl now, but my intake forms. So now we're getting into process uh, programming. Sorry. My intake forms aren't like, how much weight do you want to lose? What's your waist circumference? Tell me about every gram of carbohydrate you've eaten. It's like, what do you want your life to look like? Why is that important to you? What, like, give me three meaningful goals and tell me why those are important to you and go deep into why it's important to you. So it's values-based goal setting in the intake form. So nobody, my intake forms never say, I want to lose 25 pounds in three months. It doesn't say that. People say, you know, I'd like to fit into my cute clothes in my closet. I'd like to feel comfortable in my body. 
I'd like to stop fussing about food for the first time in my life. I can do all those. I feel 10 out of 10 confident. I get you into size smaller pants. Uh, definitely improve your relationship with food. Have you feeling more energetic and vibrant in your body? Yeah, I, that's in my that's in my wheelhouse. If you wanted um, some kind of a competition prep diet, I don't got you. Like I just don't I just don't do that. I, I I don't want to. So I think that we think about the coaching relationship. We do have to think about everything about our messaging because it starts with that. You know who and who are you as a coach? What do you want to do? Because whatever you want to do, that's what you'll you'll get to do. Um. And, you know, you were, you're talking about like what your clients get out of it. Well, I don't know about you, but at, my clients clock pretty early on that at the end of our time together, we're not, they're not actually going to be done. They realize like, oh, we, we have 12 weeks together. My program is actually quite short. We have 12 weeks together. They're like, oh, I'm not going to lose that one pant size in this 12 weeks. I'm learning the skills to then go and continue to lose pant sizes after we're done, um, which is, which is different than for, for example, the dieting industry, which is really kind of got the sensationalistic messaging of lose 30 pounds in 30 days or whatever. So um, now some health coaches do have those kinds of sensationalistic headlines, which is also completely valid. Like we can have that in the health coaching realm too. It doesn't have, you know, we, we can all exist in this, in the realm because we're, we're unregulated. We can do whatever we want, but the coaching relationship, like the way you set it up from beginning to end, from marketing to graduating your client helps to establish what lane it is you're staying in. For example, so I don't know if this is a helpful example, but sometimes clients will get on calls and I'm sure maybe you've heard this too, and they'll be reporting some kind of like failure. That's their language, right? Whatever. This is where I screwed up. And we'll talk about, okay, well, take me, take me through that. Like what happened? Like what? Nope. Just with curiosity, let's, let's play the tape. What, what happened? And they'll say, well, I did this, then I ate that, and then I said F it, and then I had the whole bag, and then yeah, now here we are, I'm starting again. And then they'll say something like, you know, it's just my mindset. I just need to work on my mindset. People, clients will evoke this idea of like my mindset. So then I think, oh, oh, I need to like help people with their mindset. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. What is a mindset? Like, I don't know if you know what a mind, somebody says mindset to you. I don't know if you know what it is. So the long and the short of it is I'm going to hire into my business, a mindset coach, because if my clients think they need help with their mindset and I don't necessarily immediately know how to do that, it's not in my lane. I'm going to get somebody else who can come in and do mindset. But like clients show up thinking that they know what they need. And then sometimes we feel like we have to jump to deliver what they need, but we can't always do that. Um, in some cases, it's potentially illegal. You're going to get in trouble. In other cases, it's just going to be a drag. I don't want to pretend to be a mindset coach. I don't know how to be a mindset coach. So I don't want to do it. So somebody else can do it. Do you know what I mean? So there's like a, a spectrum there of why we want, why we need to stay in our lane and establish what our lane is. I'm interrupting this incredible and informative podcast to tell you about today's show sponsor, the Primal Health Coach Institute. If you're a health, fitness, wellness, strength coach, any of the above, or you want to become one, or you're just looking for some relevant continuing education, this is for you. 
So the Primal Health Coach Institute, which is spearheaded by the godfather of primal and ancestral fitness and health, none other than Mark Sisson, is actually where I got my coaching start. In fact, I was one of the first 50 people to become certified through this coaching organization. And now flash forward to today, years later, I recently released my very own certification course through their platform, the Strength Training for Women Specialist Certification that I'm really, really proud of. And this course is for coaches of all genders, anyone who works with women, And in the course, we're diving deep in the physiological, hormonal, cultural, and myriad other aspects that directly impact women's ability to build strength and muscle. We're also working to debunk the misconceptions and misinformation that so many women, and unfortunately so many coaches, have been working under for so long. So the course is meant to help you learn how to advise and really deeply understand how to optimize nutrition, recovery, hormonal health, um, language, you know, mental health, attitude, and of course the training uh, for your female clients. So that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg, but my course isn't the only one they offer. They have a range of specialist courses on things like gut health. They also have their flagship primal health coach certification, which I have taken and I recommend to anyone who's looking to acquire a good base of knowledge. And your registration in any of these courses also comes with a ton of resources, downloads, things you can give your clients. It's really, really uh, an amazing platform. And I feel so strongly about this coaching organization that I developed a course for them. So they have decided to give my listeners a 25% discount, either for my course, the Strength Training for Women Specialist Certification, or for their flagship Primal Health Coach Certification. So all you have to do is go to primalhealthcoach.com forward slash MSW. That'll be in the show notes. And uh, you can use the uh, promo code MSW25 for either of those courses at checkout. Go learn. Uh, You won't regret it. It's an amazing, amazing platform. And the courses are great if I do say so myself. So go check it out. Learn something. And uh, now back to the show. that thing is interesting because again, I think that's another probably very unregulated world. Um, but I would consider a lot of what I do mindset related. And again, if I, if I spent some time and just kind of sat with this, like, what do I think mindset is, um, that takes a little bit more time to parse out, but I do believe that there is an element of changing people's mentality or approach to how they feel about themselves as it relates to their health and their wellness. Because my, my um, sort of avatar client tends to be um, a woman who, in addition to all the other things going on, uh, judges themselves very harshly and judges themselves, um, you know, good or bad based on how they feel about how they look. And so whatever it is that they're coming to me, whether it's figuring out how to eat to fuel muscle growth or how to exercise so they're not overtraining and beating down their body, these are all very common themes in the people that I work with. There's also this undercurrent of helping them appreciate their bodies, appreciate themselves, not judge themselves so harshly. All of these things are, I believe part of the mindset piece. Um, and whether we talk about it or not, I usually consider that one of the like 
biggest wins when I have clients who we have, I do a lot of like in-person kind of check-ins and chats and they're telling me that they, you know, I haven't, I don't look different in the mirror, but I went on a hike the other day and I kept up with my kids and I felt so strong and I felt so good about myself. That to me is some mindset shifting because it's like reprioritization, you know, it's like realizing that this other stuff is actually really important. And this is like what their life is. It's not just about agonizing over what they look like. Um, so I think that the mindset piece, like, for, so I guess to come around full circle, I think that isn't, it, it can be a very important part of coaching because this cyclical, um, uh, thing that we have in the, in the wellness industry, or the health coaching or the fitness industry, where you can be effective for a little bit of time. And then when they go off on their own, because nothing has really changed in their, in their mind, they've just learned a pattern that they could keep up when someone was watching them and they were paying them to watch them. They go back to their old ways. So I guess I want to bring it back to you. If you, you have this, this, um, this coaching arrangement, that's 12 weeks, right? So what happens at the end of the 12 weeks to hopefully prepare them for continuing on and doing it themselves? And is there ever a time when maybe at the 12 weeks, they are just not ready to do it on their own? And do you continue? How does that work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this kind of conversation because this goes back to what I was kind of trying to say inarticulately a moment ago, which is like, I, I geek out on programming a lot, like health coaching programming. And like at our school, I teach a couple of I teach a couple live courses. And one of them is an advanced coaching course, which teaches you how to, you know, hit all the benchmarks of a coaching conversation, a coaching relationship uh, to this very high educational standard that is this board approved, you know, coaching education standard. That's the coaching relationship. The other thing I teach, which I think is as important is a course that teaches clients to launch a product, their coaching product. I'm going to use the word product because um, I just think it's easier to sort of um, wrap your head around. Like my 12 week coaching program is that the thing that I sell people, here's the thing that I made that I'm selling. It has a price tag. It has some features and benefits. And it's like, it's like buying a computer at the Apple store, right? It's here's the thing I buy. Here's the price tag. But the, the product for me, isn't just like a sales and marketing thing. This is, this is about your delivery of your expertise. So a, what are you the expert in? And this is just in-house language. Okay. This is just in-house language. I want you to, to, to step up as the world leading expert in something, whatever it is. Okay. You don't have to go out there. Please don't put that in your Instagram bio. This is just for you to embody this. I'm a, I'm an expert in this. And, and as granular as you can get is, is great is better. Right. For who said, um, he wanted uh, to focus on heart health for men. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think people are really Googling that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like who's going to buy heart health for men? And the, and the story unfolded, this man had had a heart attack and he, he, he's been, he had a heart attack, survived it, then changed his whole lifestyle. So as not to have a second heart attack, I was like, ha ha, you're an expert in preventing the second heart attack. That's cool. Like that's an interesting program. Now you can build something that you can sell to, to men and help men who've had a heart attack and don't want a second. So anyways, I have my expertise as well, which is essentially in the realm of solving mild insulin resistance. So I can say that in-house, I solve mild insulin resistance. I don't say that in my front-facing marketing language because I can't, I can't solve a, um, 
mild insulin resistance is not a diagnosed disease state. It's the opposite of a diagnosed disease state. It's the state that most overweight middle-aged people are walking around in, but there's just no, it, they're subclinical for prediabetes. So there's no, there's no diagnosis there. But if I said I solve mild insulin resistance, nobody knows that they're mildly insulin resistant, but they are. So in 12 weeks, uh, I help them change sort of their metabolic function so that they are no longer mildly insulin resistant. And I can pick up on that based on what they're telling me in coaching calls around their appetite, their cravings, their energy, their relationship with food. Uh, they're, you know, they're sleeping better, their pants fit better. Um, they're less puffy. There's a lot of just improvements that show up. And I have like over 2000 clients under my belt that I, I, I can, there's predictability to what happens in this 12 weeks. I can see, okay, great. You've hit that benchmark. You've hit that benchmark. It's working, it's working. At the end of 12 weeks, what I want them to have is self-efficacy. Did you learn everything? Do you know how to navigate every situation? Oh, you had Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, you had a beach vacation for a week. Oh, your mother-in-law came to stay with you for, for a week. We navigated situations. We get really into the weeds of situations because that's what derails people from every effort is I was doing so good until, at least in my clientele, probably a nurse and probably a lot of people's, I was doing good until. So we go through all these until's. I'm really just handling people's untils. I barely, like I talk about food. I deliver the food and movement and lifestyle education in an online course that everybody gets access to. But in the coaching conversations, it's like, give me, hit me with your situations. <laughs> Let's solve these. So by the end of 12 weeks, they're feeling better. They've definitely reversed their, uh, sorry, they've, they've sort of solved for their mild insulin resistance. They've probably feeling a little more comfortable in their clothes and they know they can keep doing it. They know they can keep doing it. Everything I just did for 12 weeks, I can keep doing this. That's easy. I figured everything out. Some of my clients, just so we're just to close the loop on this, do then re-enroll in month to month because some clients do ultimately say, I love everything I've learned. I don't know if I can do it myself. I don't feel 10 out of 10 confident. We have that conversation. How on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you feel that you can go and do this on your own? If they say anything less than a seven, it's like, well, we should keep going together then because that confidence is what I want from them. Um, you know, I, I, it probably sounds weird to say this, but I, I, I care much less about what size pants you manage to squeeze into at the end of my program. I'm just, I'm just more happy if you get it and you're like, I understand this. I can do this for the rest of my life. Like self-efficacy is the outcome of every coaching relationship. Um, you know, I don't know if it's like that in every, it's not like that in every part of health coaching and fitness coaching. Like when I was with my personal trainer, it wasn't like, you know, you get fitter and the workouts get harder. You get fitter and the workouts get harder. There's no like, okay, you're done, you know, but I think with health coaching, it's different. People do want eventually to liberate themselves or not liberate themselves, to trust themselves, to carry on in their own life, making healthy behaviors without needing their coach eventually. So I am a staunch advocate for have, you know, getting to a point where you can graduate your clients. So they're not kind of, you know, laboring in your month to month program forever and ever. That's, that's not the spirit of self-efficacy. Um, so that to me is the outcome that we should all be looking for, regardless of what your specialty is. Completely agree. I don't think there's anything more important in this relationship than helping people become empowered with um, knowledge and being able to make their own decisions rather than having us guide them. I think that's incredibly important. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the um, walking people through that I was doing good until because that is, yeah, like one of the biggest ongoing continuing challenges that people have. And, you know, from every level of experience and understanding of health, it's still a thing. 
And I think that again goes back to this buzzword of like mindset, because I think one of the things that's like personally that I've improved, because I have this too, you know, when I, I come from like a much more sort of aesthetic and performance-based fitness background where um, it was all very black and white. And it was very easy to do things perfectly. And it was very easy to go off the rails. And it's a lot harder to be sort of just living your life and, and being healthy most of the time and troubleshooting and sort of living a balanced life, whatever that means for you. And I think that I've started to, I've gotten a lot better with that personally um, from just literally being alive longer, being older, changing priorities, um, mostly changing priorities, honestly. And so there's like the freedom that comes from like, I just don't care about being perfect anymore. And I don't care about looking perfect anymore. Cause I just have other things to worry about personally for me. Um, but it is, that can't always be the answer for your client. And it's, it's easy to say, but it's not necessarily helpful for people to just be like, just stop worrying about that thing you're worrying about because it's like not as important as other stuff. So like, just get over it and get over yourself. So how do we work through this when that is such a common recurring obstacle for people that it just, that any, any aberration to their schedule or any slip up can throw people completely off their tracks? What do we do? Oh man. Well, here we go. I'm just going to solve it for everybody right Please. here, but no, <laughs> no. Um, you know, when you get on a discovery call with a client, I, I literally hear this every time, every discovery call. Because, well, I ask this question. I tell me, I say, tell me what you've tried before. And tell me what if any of those, which of any of them worked or which ones you liked. And they'll say, oh, I always get the same ones. Um, Octavia, I don't I, Everyone's done that one. I have no um, idea what that is. I know me neither. I had to, I had to ask. It's, it's one of these, you know, shakes and very low calories, basically kind of thing. I think there's some supplements in there too. I Octavia, they tried HCG, they've tried Weight Watchers, they've tried keto, they've tried intermittent fasting, they've tried, the personal trainer gave me a meal plan, they've tried all these things, whether it's some kind of licensed program, Octavia, trademark or whatever, or it's some PT meal plan or whatever the flavor of the month, keto, IF, whatever it might be. Um, and everybody will say, I hated that one. And they'll tell me why they hate it. I didn't like that one because I, you know, in my world, because again, this goes to your messaging. So the people I run into, they'll say, I hated that one because I don't like tracking my food because they know I don't like tracking food. So they've come to me because they're like, this girl hates tracking food and won't, won't, will refuse to do it. So yay. They'll say, you know, I liked this one, but it wasn't sustainable. I like that one. I lost weight, but it wasn't sustainable. They'll, the clients will always say this wasn't sustainable. And I think there's some, it's such, an, it's such an interesting turn of phrase. Because it's like, was the program unsustainable or did nobody teach you how to sustain it? There was, was there, there was, you were not taught to sustain it. Maybe any one of those might've worked if you had sustained it. I actually, I hate to say this, but I kind of believe that's true. Like almost anything could work if you just kept doing it. But first of all, there's a lot to that. It's like, do you want to keep doing it? Like, do you want to keep measuring your food or drinking dumb shakes and weird, eat weird packaged foods for the rest of your life? No, but that's not a good fit. But if you found an eating strategy or a workout strategy or a lifestyle strategy that you liked, but it wasn't sustainable, that's because you didn't have help sustaining it. So then I tell people, well, that's what I do. I'm going to help you sustain it. So you have to meet me halfway though, because I'm waiting here for you to tell me where you're falling down. And then when you fall down, we're going to pick back up. We're, again, we're going to play the tape. Like, okay, what happened? Like no, with no judgment, only curiosity. Like, let's play that tape. What happened? 
because that's going to happen again. You're going to go on vacation again. Christmas is going to come around next year again. Birthday cake is always going to happen. Like what, what was it? And, uh, it's sort of like I, I have this little soundbite inside my curriculum, which is the key to success is failure. <laughs> like you've got to show up with your struggles. I honestly think that's what health coaches spend most of their time doing. I barely talk about food, even though I'm a very food oriented health coach. I don't do supplements or training in my program. It's just food and some, and some lifestyle. And it's like, we're barely going to talk about it. it. That's the easy part, quite frankly. That's the easy part. The hard part is these situations. So come to me ideally before they happen. This is how I orchestrate my coaching relationships. And the way I'm doing coaching now is a little bit different. I don't do one-on-ones anymore. But even when I did, it was like, okay, it's Tuesday. What happened last weekend? What's coming up next weekend? Or what's coming up for you? What do we have to figure out how to preemptively navigate? And then we do the little posthumous, what happened last week that we need to talk through. And we just have these conversations and literally march them on the calendar through all the situations they come up with long day at work, whole day spent on an airplane, whatever, anything at all that can come up. Um, I, I feel like that's the role of the coach. And that's what makes a program sustainable is having a partner to help you sustain it. And so again, I'm the expert in one thing, the one thing that you wanted help with, that's why you found me and wanted to work with me. And I'm going to help you sustain this one thing. If you decide you want to become a bodybuilder, that's a different thing. So we're going to have to go find somebody else to do that and they'll help you sustain or whatever that would be. That's a terrible example, but we, we have to hook into our expertise and then our job is to help with the, the sustainability piece. It's like finding a plan for people that is sustainable in that they can sustain it. They can keep doing it forever. It becomes just what they do instead of a three-week plan to get to an end goal, right? It often seems like the way to make it sustainable is to allow more flexibility than people think they want, right? Everyone thinks they want to be super strict and perfect and do things really hard because that's exciting and gives them purpose. And maybe they, because it feels harder, it feels more productive, right? And so it seems to me a lot of times in my work, it's inevitably this almost like warning phase where people feel like we have to get over the idea that they feel like they're settling or giving up or like, I can't do it to this level. So I'm just going to do it to this level instead. And it's not as good, but like, that's what I can do, you know? And that's kind of tough. And I like, I really try to, and I think some of it just comes from lived experience, you know, and when they realize that they can get maybe 95% of whatever their initial goal was by actually not working so hard. And that's a great revelation. And that can be really, really helpful and life changing for a lot of people. But there is this sort of period where people are like, but shouldn't this be harder? And shouldn't I never mess up? And shouldn't I feel like a failure when I mess up? Because if I don't feel like a failure, then am I even working hard? You know what I mean? That's a really, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really big element. Like, how do we, do you have any insights into how we can, I don't know, like work through these, these, tell me about what happened. Tell me about Christmas. Tell me about the birthday without it being like this conversation about failure or working harder, or I'm just settling because I had cake. So I guess I'm not as good as other people. I'm just going to be somebody who eats cake. And do you know what I mean? I do. That's really, it's a really, I love how you framed that. Um, this sort of 
having to reconcile that just because it's not hard doesn't mean it's not working or right or effective yeah yeah um gosh this conversation because i push back on hard a lot like okay 75 hard catch me never doing that catch me never doing that we literally did a podcast about this the other day like a couple (laughs) weeks ago and i was like i will do my own and it will be called like 75 moderately challenging and fun like 75 hard (laughs) is so ridiculous and also this is going down a different rabbit hole and i don't want you to lose your train of thought but like i was literally having a conversation with another um you know woman in the in the fitness wellness industry who was talking about how there's like really some inherent sexism in a lot of this stuff and in a lot of uh the you know a lot of these like bro podcasts that are talking about like your morning routine and if you don't wake up at five and read 50 pages of a book and do an hour workout you're a waste of space and you suck and it's like talk to I don't know, mothers, for example, and not just mothers, not just mothers that are busy people, but like talk to people who aren't, I don't know, single 25 year old men and tell them that this is the schedule they have to do or else they're a failure. It's just so, it's so narrow, you know, and so ridiculous. But anyway, sorry, I I got off track, but just 75 hard is dumb. Okay. Continue. (laughs) It is dumb. But, but this, this idea, this sort of, um, idea of hard versus easy is interesting, right? Because again, like it could, this really depends on who you're, you're working with, I suppose. I, I had this argument with a guy at a conference who marched up to our trade show booth and, and kind of said, you know, the problem with people is they're too weak and lazy and they're not disciplined enough and they need more discipline. I was like, you're talking to the wrong person because I do not agree with you at all. But I don't work with it. He works with military guys and I work with women who've been dieting for 30 years. That's very different, right? So, but like when, when we have conversations about, you know, if I had a client who showed up for the a coaching call yesterday and she said, I want to talk about feeling discouraged. I was like, yes, let's go. And she's great. She said, so I had some great results. I remember last week I was on the call and I was so excited because I took my measurements and I had lost a couple inches and I was so excited because like my body was changing and I wasn't even really doing anything. She, I have, I've, ext- I personally extracted this woman from Weight Watchers hell. Like I, I did that. She was obsessed with her points and lived her life by her points for her whole life. And she didn't want to do it anymore because it's too damn hard, right? That wasn't her. That's ultimately why she didn't want to do it anymore. If she could have kept doing it, she would have, but she couldn't because it was too hard, unsustainable, too hard. Same thing as far as I'm concerned. Anyhow. So she said this week, um, I feel like it's not working. And I said, well, tell me more about that. Have your measurements increased? She said, no. I said, has the, has the eating program become harder? She said, no, it's still easy. And I said, so then why do you think you're feeling discouraged? And she said, because I, she had to think about it for a while because nobody really necessarily has this knowledge in the front of their mind. So we have to encourage these conversations. She said, because I've been trained that if you are a good little dieter, you lose one to two pounds per week it's supposed to go down in a perfectly predictable downward slope. And I'm kind of in this plateau, um, which is somebody, somebody evoked the word plateau in her brain. Like this is such a diet. Well, we're going to get into diet culture, but this is a diet culture terminology, like the plateau, like you're not in a plateau. Your body just isn't ready to let go of the next inch yet, but it will, if you keep going, just like it did for that inch, the next inch is coming. But right now the skill to master is patience that's hard, right? What, what's hard 
there's so many, there's so many hard things in the wellness industry because it's so, it's such a fraught, overblown, bloated, problematic industry in a lot of ways. Um, and everything about it is hard. Everything about it feels hard to people. And they've been, and so to your point, it's like, it's supposed to suck. It's supposed to feel hard. And this client was like, maybe I should diet harder to get that next inch. It's like, but you didn't diet hard for the first inch. Why should the next inch require more hard? She's like, I don't know why I said that. She doesn't even know why she said it. She doesn't know why she needs it to be harder. Nobody knows why we've really been programmed into this. It, this program into this, it has to suck or it's not working point of view. Um, now listen, some coaches, again, um, they play in that world. They're like, I am a hardcore discipline, you know, suffer, grind, cold plunge coach. I just threw cold punches in there. Cause I also hate those, but they're fine, whatever. But anyway, I don't want to necessarily paint the entire health coaching industry with a brush that everybody has to use these kid gloves with their clients. Cause that might not be your point of view as a health coach, but you know, I'm reading this, this book right now. It's a diet book called, you can't screw this up. It's a great book. And uh, this guy's point of view is exactly mine. He's like, the reason why people fail is because everything's too hard. And if we can make it easy, then they'll succeed. And I actually think that's really true. And like, you think about the habit books, right? The, the two big habit books. What are the two big habit books? Well, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits is great habit change for disciplined people. But I don't know those people. <laughs> Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg, if you've read, if you've read that one, that's a great habit change book for regular people. It's like, break the habit down into the tiniest thing. You want to floss your teeth, floss one tooth, floss one tooth until you get the second tooth, right? I love that. I think that's more people. Um, yeah, I, this, this easy versus hard, uh, you know, this is in our, I think it's in our wheelhouse as coaches. It's not in every coach's wheelhouse. Um, and we can talk more generally about what, you know, is in the general coaching coach, uh, coaching wheelhouse. But for us, I think this, this conversation around hard versus easy is pretty, pretty prominent in our practices, probably. Yeah. To your point, it's like, we have to make it easy, but we also have to make, we also have to encourage our clients to, to welcome ease into their life. You know, that's the other thing, because. I think you sort of touched on, and I'm sure this isn't really news. It's just when it's articulated in a new way, it's like lights up something in my brain. Like the biggest challenge, the biggest obstacle to overcoming like health and wellness goals is uh, we want to do something hard to feel like we're accomplishing something, but we can't do something hard forever. And so we right. can't, we can't, do this behavior change that now becomes our life that helps us live a vibrant, healthy life, for life forever if it's too hard. But if it's not hard enough, we don't think it's doing anything and we don't change and we don't stick to it. So it's like this weird friction where it's like we need to, that's why people keep signing up for these 75 hard, for these things that are on purpose made so that you cannot sustain them because they're too hard. And we yeah. sign up for two of those a year and we hope that we can kind of like string ourselves along until the next time to feel good like we're doing something because we can't accept that it doesn't have to be so hard you can feel it can feel effortless sometimes and still be good and good for you imagine you know that's a, that is a really kind of hard hard it's a difficult challenging uh concept to take on because again this industry to your point that has a lot of problems has really taught us the opposite it's really taught us mm -hmm. that we have to be suffering to 
see progress. I, I have hope though. I think that health consumers, well, at least, I mean, my health consumers are my peers, right? There's women in their late forties who have been through this ringer since they were in their teens, ostensibly. It's like, I'm done. Right. But they, they definitely like this client I mentioned, she slides back into it's not working. And I, I would say literally, what do you think? We, what do you think would get it working? Well, maybe if we did some kind of crash diet, it could get it moving again. I'm like, okay, do you want to do that? And she said, no, <laughs> I'm good. That, that's all she needed. She needed to remember that, no, I don't want to do that anymore. But the, 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 the crash dieting world is going to try to claw her back every few weeks. And I know that I, I literally say that to people like, Hey, You've been programmed into believing that this is supposed to suck and that 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 monster is going to get its inky little tendrils into your brain all the time. And that's fine. I I'm open to it. I'm patient to that. Right. So bring it bring it into the conversation when you can. And I always encourage my clients, like every single thing that you're feeling, bring it into the coaching conversation, like just put it out there, name and tame it. Um, that's something that a lot of folks have never had before. And that's the beautiful thing about health coaching is, is that it is a relationship. You know, you used air quotes when you described your coaching relationships before. There's no air quotes. That's 100% a relationship. And that's the relationship is the thing that they've probably never had before. They had somebody dispensing a plan or a program or points. And they maybe they show up for the meetings or whatever it was, or, you know, submit their progress pictures to their physique coach. But there's not, it's not, that's not really a relationship in the purest form. And I always, like, again, it's, it's complete 50-50. Like I'm coming with my expertise, you're coming with your expertise and we're co-creating and, and Sally's program is going to be different than Jane's program, different than, you know, everyone's program is different because they're unique individuals the executing on the program. The execution is, is the, is the hard part. So we have to make it easy because they've had enough hard in their lives, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm glad we kind of brought this around full circle because it does go back to sort of my my thoughts at the beginning about what kind of connection and understanding helps make that relationship better and more effective. And I have found a lot in my like more recent experience coaching as my coaching work has evolved. Uh, there are times when I feel like I am not bringing enough to the table because I don't ascribe to the get ripped in 30 days thing. I don't do any of that like rapid transformation stuff. Um, again, that's not something that I want to do. And I would much rather do it more low and slow and help change people at a sort of what I think to be a deeper and more long lasting level. Um, and sometimes I feel like going back to those foundational principles that I give out and you and a lot of people, we give out this information freely for free all the time. So I'm like, why is this person paying me when literally all of the, the actual advice I'm giving is available free in the world. And I come back to, I think that the, the unique value that I bring is me and yeah. my relationship with you and the fact that I care and that I'm willing to listen and talk and help and troubleshoot and other people can do that too. And that's their unique value add that it's them doing it. So I have to kind of keep coming back to that part that the human connection I think is one of, if not the key to successful mm -hmm. health coaching, because to your point, the other stuff is very transactional and I could transactionally just send somebody a PDF with like, you have to eat this way. 
and go yeah. walk around and sleep this much. You have to do it, go do it. That's transactional. But when I can look at somebody in the eyes and talk to them and hear their challenges and help them work it out without judgment, with, with interest in helping, you know, helping somebody feel better, that's really, I think, ultimately what the health coaching world should be, right? Yep. Yep. You're a person, not a program. And it's literally true that people want to work with you because right. of something you said and the way you said it. And it's the no like, and trust. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I hesitate to even say that because that gets into the realm now of like marketing and putting yourself out there. We're not, we're not even talking about that, but it's like, this is why you have to establish yourself as a clear expert in something and then just double down on that message. Like even if, 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 even if you say the same thing into your Instagram stories every day, great. Then the people who it's meant for will like it. The people who it's not meant for are going to leave. So the people who end up in your client roster are the people who like you and appreciate your approach. And they literally, my clients don't necessarily, they don't, they don't ask me what, um, they don't really seem to care what type of eating philosophy I subscribe to. They're like, it seems paleo-ish. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's paleo-ish. They don't care what my credential is. They don't care how much training I've had. Um, they just kind of like my approach. They like your approach. It, our, it is a relationship 100%. They have to like you um, and trust that you have the solution and implementation as we've already, you know, we, we already know this implementation execution is the hard part. Information is not the hard part. Information is everywhere. Um, so this just, you know, I think this is really empowering for coaches because we go back to like, kind of we danced around the edges of this before in the conversation, which is like, I know some things, but I don't know everything. Maybe I need to know everything in order to be a masterful coach. Maybe I should go and you know, get this client to do this lab test or this food sensitivity test or this GI map so we can, and, and this is, so I just don't think this is what people need. Like, quite frankly, I don't think people need more diagnoses more things to be afraid of, more things to, nobody needs to poop Ow. on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> Get healthy. I'm sorry, but like, what we've, we've tried that. We've over-programmed people to smithereens at this point. They're, they're becoming done with it. So like, I'm a person, not a program is, is a soundbite that I, I always tell, I remind my clients like, you know, yeah, it's a yeah. relationship purely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, just to throw more sound bites out, out there, it's like the whole majoring in the minors thing. Like people want to, a lot of people want to poop on a stick because they don't want to um, deal with their stress or sleep better or <laughs> what have you, right? Because that stuff is more, uh, it's, it's harder. It's harder to do. Yeah. And people, we really, really are excited by this, like, do this one thing and get this piece of information. And then you can like create some weird, fun, crazy plan based on that. Um, it's, it, it's very, it's like a, it's very tempting. It's very tempting yeah. to, to kind of like you, nitpick. Yeah. You made me think of something that comes up every now and then in client conversations. I don't know if you've ever had this, but this happens to me with a relative frequency where the client will be in my program and they're brand new. They've been at it for a few days and they get on the call and they'll say, I'm having headaches. I'm having a headache or having some kind of symptom, or I'm having like gut irritation is that because of this eating program? Is this something that I should adjust? I'm like, well, let's see, you're having headaches. Um, could be because you've changed the way you're eating, possible. 
Uh, could be because you didn't sleep well last night. Could be because you're dehydrated. Could be because the barometric pressure changed. Could be because your immune system's fighting off an illness. It could be a thousand things. But we're we're very we do leap to wanting the solution, and and in some ways trying to pl- put the blame on very specific things like what lever can I pull to make this headache go away, or whatever. What lever can I pull to make my waist circumference shrink? And again, like. Um, I think for, for you and I, the space we, the space we play in, it, it, we are, we are in training the skill of patience into our clients, which is not a romanticized feature in the health and wellness industry. <laughs> and um, it's not their fault. You know, it's not their fault that they want, they want, they, they believe that the body responds instantly to things because that's been really, you know, really glorified. I was, I was listening to a podcast with, uh, I won't like name drop this person, but this person used to be one of the main figureheads of the beach body programs. And then you do these infomercials. And of course, in those fitness infomercials, you see people who have these dramatic results on the, whatever the Nordic track or whatever the thing is, this video workout program. And she said, you know, we would put them on bodybuilder diets, get basically they're on a competition. These regular people go on a competition prep diet, complete with the tan, by the way, complete with the fake tan after, for the after picture. Yeah. 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 And they weren't even using the machine or the workout that was being marketed. And of course, like on some level, we all like know that we're like, oh yeah, this is all like a dog and pony show, but we're, the programming still runs really deep for our clients. Um, so I wonder, Ashley, if you have a sense of like of your audience, how many people listening are the kind of coaches that we are versus the how many people listening are the coaches who do more prescriptive, intense by the book? Because I don't think there's anything wrong with that approach either. It's worked in some corners of the health and wellness world for a long time, too. Right. I mean, who's listening to this? Who's who is this resonating with and who is it this conversation maybe not resonating with? I think this will this I love some feedback for those who are listening, I would love for you to send some emails or some DMs and tell us who you are and what you thought of this conversation, because I know that I have plenty of health coaches who listen, but I also, I'm almost more interested in the audience, the client or potential client audience that's listening, that is hearing sort of a peek behind the scenes and hearing about maybe the challenges or the insecurities or the obstacles or the, the learning processes that the, the coaches are going through. Um, I, I will be really interested to hear, but I, one thing that's, that I also think is kind of unique is this podcast, you know, this is, this is my podcast and I do a lot of solo like interviews like this, but in the last year I sort of rebranded, I brought in my co-host, who's my business partner for the strength training program that I created, Rachel, and she tends to be a little bit more on the like, um, data gathering meticulous, a little bit more of the like hard, intense side of things. Um, that is her personality. Like she, like, I will give her like an Excel spreadsheet for Christmas and that will like make her happy. Like that's just, it's just her personality. She likes, we joke about it. She likes data. She likes nerding out on things. And I do think, and I don't want to sound condescending in any way. She's not here to, to, um, to defend herself. I love her. She's so smart. She knows so much. Um, but I wonder again, not to sound condescending, if there's a bit of like an age and experience thing, she's like almost a decade younger than me. And when I was her age, God, I hate even the words coming out of my mouth, but it's true. When I was her age, I was a lot more about just being sort of anal about stuff and being really data-driven and being really hardcore. And in the 
following years, I just maybe changed some things and I had some other things come into my life and I just, I don't have the time or the preference for it anymore. And that's why I, I don't say it's across the board bad. And I, and I really get angry. This is like another whole conversation and I, I don't want to throw any particular people under the bus, but I really get, it really rubs me the wrong way when fitness and wellness authority figures speak about different programs or ideas or whatever with this really, really condescending, angry, you're dumb if you do it tone, especially when they come from the approach of, I used to do this and it was stupid. And so now I'm telling everybody how stupid it is. Cause I'm like, how can you be so judgmental of people who had the exact same thought process as you that are in different places in their life? If you want to help people circumvent this and not do the stupid thing you did, telling them they're dumb and how dumb it is, is not the best way to reach people. Like have, you have the, you have the benefit of wisdom and experience. Be, be compassionate and kind and thoughtful to people. Like, again, I have a, I have a client right now who told me very sheepishly recently that she signed up for 75 hard <laughs> and she downloaded the app and everything she had list. She's like, I listened to your podcast about it, but I just, I really wanted to try it, but I'm taking it and I'm doing what I want with it. I'm not doing it hundred percent. I'm using it as a like as a tracking tool. And I found it really useful. And I'm like, that's amazing. You know, I did say 75 hard is down earlier, but I just, it upsets me when people try to teach from a place of, again, condescension and, yeah. and judgment, because it just isn't effective. Like we have, we have shown, we've all shown through all of the media and, and our own personal experiences that hatred and putting yourself down or other people down or making people feel small or stupid doesn't ever fix anything. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I really went yeah. a lot of different ways with this conversation, but I just, I, so going, and again, just to close loop. So going back to, you know, Rachel, because she has that younger kind of more in the thick of things, very interested in learning and, and, and using my body as an, a sort of experimental tool and all of that stuff we can kind of play off each other a little bit. And I think that the podcast, because of that, attracts all the different walks of life because the people who maybe gravitate more towards like, I really want to like nerd out and do all this crazy stuff and try all these crazy workouts. They maybe go towards Rachel and the people who are like, I just want to like eat more protein and like squat and get strong or whatever. Maybe they might be more interested in what I'm, what I'm talking about. So I'd be really interested to hear um, what folks think of this podcast and, and what they've taken from it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, the clarity and message comes in. Right? So, you know, I have a, I have at least three clients of my roster who sheepishly came to me and told me that they started taking Ozempic and it's like, I got you. Don't worry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pharma shame you. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll work on it. But what's interesting, I, I had a, a reel that went a little quasi-viral on Instagram, and it was me speaking to my audience, which is what we do in our marketing efforts. It's like, I have this clear point of view. I just want my people to remember what it is. But unfortunately, the algorithm picked it up and sent it to a lot of people who it wasn't meant for. And it became very clear to me, um, oh, you're not my people. Oh, you're still out there, it's, which I think is interesting. Like the people who came into my comments and were you know, uh, arguing with my point of view because the point of view in the, in the, in the real was you don't have to track your food. It's, you don't have to do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't like doing it. You don't have to do it. And people came in and said, people do have to do it. We have an obesity epidemic. People do have to do it. If they want to know how much they're eating, they have to do it. If they want to lose weight, they have to do it. If they want to, these people believe fully that they're fully in that stage of life where it's like, I track data. That's what I want to know. 
It's like, oh, I'm so sorry that Zuckerberg showed this to you. It wasn't for you. And that's okay. Right. So we, we, you know, we, we have to be open-minded to a rising tide lifts all boats. Every, everybody out there deserves to have a coach that's got them. Mm-hmm. But as the coach, um, know what, just know, just do what you do. And you don't have to feel like you have to do everything. Um, you do that one thing, the people who come to you, they, they come to you because the one thing you do, my clients, the one thing I do, the clear message you've put out, the kind of person we are, it, it plays a big factor because it is a partnership. It's a relationship and they have to like you and they have to trust you. It's, a, it's an enormous part of that, of this relationship. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I don't want anything that I put online to go viral for very reason because I don't want to have to deal with all the people who just came online to like hate something that wasn't for them in the first place. Like you don't see me going on to like, I don't know, other people's Instagram, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go and like get mad at some like vegans or people who really like Taylor Swift or something. I'm like, that's not for me. So I'm just going to ignore, it's fine. But I I guess that's one of the downsides to social media. It happens. I would not wish a viral reel on my worst enemy. It was was a horrendous few days, but we survived. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, well, we are coming up on time here. It, are you able to tease or talk a little bit about some of the, um, the things going on with Primal Health Coach Institute, like any of the new stuff? Are we allowed to talk about it at all or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Well, let's see. So we, you know, in the last year we launched a bunch of specialty courses and yours was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strength Training for Women certification course, awesome course for for coaches that work with women on strength training for strength. I mean, you know, it's so interesting because like this narrative is getting stronger. Dr. Gabrielle Lyons book just came out. She's hitting the whole podcast circuit. It's like, Oh, women should lift weights. And I'm seeing way more of it. Like young girls in the weight room. When I go to the gym, I'm like, yes, absolutely. So this is exciting, exciting time for women in strength training. Mm-hmm. We have functional therapeutic diets course. We have a human intestinal microbiome course written by Dr. William Davis, which is like college level. Like I literally, when I, we were editing this course, I said, I want to give this course to every doctor and like nurse practitioner because it's so in depth on the human intestinal microbiome. So we have these specialty certs that we've been really focusing on. We have one coming out shortly. It's a therapeutic keto, ketogenic diets course, like an applied ketogenic diet uh, program. So, you know, we're, we're seeing key, low carbon keto diets working for a lot of um, chronic health conditions. And so we, we, one of our sort of brand promises as a school is that we we want to keep this whole thing very sensible. <laughs> like, and, and as a curriculum director, I double down on it. Let's create a course that is sensible, well-rounded, well-researched, isn't some kind of sensationalistic keto stuff. So we got Chris Irvin to write the course. The man is a academic writer. He knows the stuff about ketogenic diets. It's a great course. It's insanely thorough. Um, later on in 2024, we're launching a course around the concept of symptomatology, which we didn't necessarily get into today, but symptomatology is basically clients come to us and patients go to doctors and people enter the wellness and health care world because they don't feel good. They don't feel the way they want to feel. And ultimately those are symptoms. Symptoms I'm going to use, I'm using air quotes now for sure, because I don't want to think, we don't want to get this down into the medical realm, but the way people feel, aka symptoms, that is in the purview of a health coach. We help people to feel differently. Not always though. Not all symptoms are in our wheelhouse. Some symptoms we need to teach 
coaches how to escalate that to an appropriate medical practitioner. So Primal Health Coach Institute will always, always, always double down on health coaching scope of practice and the things we are not allowed to do. We're training our coaches how to know not to do those things, right? So the symptomatology course will be interesting, helping our, our clients clock what they're feeling and how they can feel better and also training the coaches to know when to escalate uh, out to medical practitioners, which is really interesting. So, and then from that end, we have a course coming out uh, with Dr. Ken Berry that is about appropriate use of lab testing. Health coaches are not sending their clients for lab tests, but since there are so many schools and unfortunately so many coaches that are just ordering labs for their clients, we had to step in and say, okay, no, you can't do that. Here's how to appropriately utilize the lab testing in a health and wellness program. This should all be facilitated through a doctor. And here are the tests that you would maybe encourage your client to request from the doctor from the lab requisition company. So those are the three we have coming out in the next little while. Um, we got a lot on the go. That's for sure. Very exciting. And the, the lab test one is is interesting too. And I don't want to say like, this will help you decide to discourage your clients from taking tests necessarily. But I like the idea that the education is there for coaches, even just so they have a, a basic foundational knowledge of like what all is your clients. Oftentimes it happens to me, will come to you and be like, okay, so should I do this test, that test, this test? I heard mm -hmm. someone say on the internet that this test was really good. And like, often I will be overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't know what this test is. Like, that's not my thing. And I don't know. So I don't want to say yes or no or whatever. So these courses will be really helpful, but in, you know, and to your, to the thread that we've kind of been talking about this whole time about knowing what your, your expertise is and being really confident in it and being able to really speak from that place. That's why these courses are important because when you find out what your niche is or what you want it to be, or what you're really interested in, I mean, you guys are creating opportunities for people to become experts and to become really knowledgeable in these areas from a reasonable, um, I don't know, I guess the word holistic, but like overall approach to health, right? Like it never is so granular that you kind of lose the forest for the trees sort of thing, which is what I really like about Primal Health Coach Institute is that it always goes back to, these are like the, the real life application, reasonable every day. You can, any client can go and take this stuff and run with it right now to feel better. It doesn't have to be, you can get granular. A lot of the stuff to your point is like, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. you can really dig deep if you want to but it's still based on this foundation of like, what is real health and vitality and robustness look like in a yeah. human being? And let's really focus on those. And then, okay, you want to go down the keto tangent. You want to go down the strength training tangent. You want to, you know, here you go. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, big fan of you guys, big fan of, <laughs> big fan of all the work. And so, you. so proud to be a part of it. Honestly, like I still like this virtual summit, which I think when this, um, when this goes live, I think the virtual summit will have happened. And I don't know if people can like access it after the fact, do you know, mm -hmm. if that's a thing. Okay, cool. Yep. So we'll put something in the show notes, but it's still like a pinch me moment that I get to be a part of this. You know, when I think about when I started my health coaching journey, when I started this like podcast, when I decided to take what I liked to learn about and to make a career out of it, you know, I was just a hundred percent looking up to these organizations, these individuals, these people, and now I get to be a part of it. And I'm just, I'm so grateful and happy and, and proud to be a part of it. So, um, it's really, it's an awesome experience for me. So 
cool. That's well, it. We're grateful to have you. Yeah. All right, Erin, thank you so much for your time. And uh, based on any interesting feedback that we get from this podcast, maybe I'll uh, ask you to come back on and we can go down a different rabbit hole. Sounds great. Can't wait. All right. Thank you.